0: welcome to the plant cunning podcast
1: where we explore a relationship to plants other people and the mysteries of nature
0: coming to you from the high allegheny plateau in central new york
1: we are your hosts ac staubel
0: and isaac hill episode 89 cunning as folk in astromagia with jd kelly jd is a modern day cunning man he's an astrologer herbalist tarot reader, and conference organizer. And in this episode, we get into how to balance all of these skills, exploring the idea of being a master of all trades while mastering some. We also talk about the Astromagia conference that he is organizing in October. It's October 8th through 10th, and we'll be featuring some amazing speakers such as Austin Kopic, Freedom Cole, Demetra George, Christopher Warnock, Cliff Lowe, and many others, as well as myself. I'm going to be doing a talk on 17th century astrologer herbalists. Uh, I'm gonna talk about people like Nicholas Culpepper, Joseph Blograve, William Lilly, and extract lessons and very practical techniques from their corpuses. It's a really interesting tradition, and I'm excited to do this talk. To hear everybody else's talks and to just be part of this amazing event, because uh, these are some of the most heavy-duty astrological magicians that are currently practicing and reviving this illustrious tradition. So check it out at astromagia.org and sign up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, here's the episode. Okay, so today on the Plant Cunning Podcast, we have modern-day cunning man, uh, astrologer, herbalist, um, and Astromagia conference organizer uh, J.D. Kelly and we're really excited to talk to to J.D. today. Uh, J.D.'s based in Scotland and uh, yeah there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff on the agenda. Mm -hmm. So uh, J.D. how are you today?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We've had for us like uh, reaching a temperature of over uh, 65 degrees Fahrenheit is quite rare for where we are so we've kind of enjoyed the summer unfortunately I feel bad saying that obviously given how hot it was in lots of other places but
0: yeah I mean isn't of, nice weather most of Europe's in an extreme drought right
2: yes I mean I think that uh, especially further south of us it has been really bad uh, for lots of people but um, but yeah, no, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, in general, I was very ill at a certain point over the summer and I remembered what I hadn't been so ill in a long time. So it was kind of like a wake up call to remember <laughs> how sick you can be and how nice it is to not be unwell, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <But> recently recovered. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you're feeling better, that you're healthy. Thank you. Um, yeah, sometimes you need that the the opposite uh to to, so you don't take it for granted definitely yeah (laughs) how are you guys
1: doing really well lots of projects at the homestead and weather's uh finally cooling down a bit and um we have some really cute kittens here these little orange (laughs) cats that are just like so cuddly and sweet that just eat up all of our time (laughs)
2: <laughs> Definitely. as they should
1: as yeah they should. you have to enjoy it love
2: little kittens little. and cats oh it's glorious I'm glad you had have, have that in your life
1: <laughs> yeah we're super stoked uh, mm-hmm.
0: they're born right right in the bedroom so they're mm. they're very socialized
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> the mom must feel really safe with both of you if yeah. uh, that was the way it was that's great
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. She mm-hmm. came and got me. I was on like a business meeting, and she was like, "Round, round!" Like smacking at my keyboard, and it's like, "It's time!" Like, "Come on, let's do this." So.
0: Oh, so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's
2: so sweet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, so JD. Um, usually, we ask something like, "What brought you to the plant path?" But what brought you to the cunning path?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think that. Uh, I think that for most people have been odd uh, in their interests for a while, you know there's probably something that starts in the beginning where they were drawn to um, you know unusual things. And like a lot of kids, uh, I definitely fell into that category. I was a teacher of young children and pri- uh, primary age elementary age kids for about 12 years. So, in that work, I started to notice this is not a something that all children, at least in my experience, do show, but it is more common than not common. Um, and I feel really lucky to have a nephew that is very odd, you know, and I, uh, was, I appreciated his odd uh, interests from the beginning. So, I think that it was something that I couldn't ignore. Um, and to be brief about it, you know, what I would say is that I did have a lot of unusual, and again, I don't know how unusual they actually are, but like I did live in quite a haunted house as a child, so I knew something was quite odd about that, you know. Um, I was very interested in uh, magic from a young age and religion from a really young age, um, but I, because I grew up in Alabama um, and and also because when my father's mother Uh, was very a very avid reader and library goer and you know this is like card catalog time I would go in the card catalog and look for books on magic and the only books I could ever find were stage magic related Mm -hmm. Um, so I did explore that as well you know but I was always looking for where are the where are I imagined the real books somewhere. And in my mind, there was like a book that I would pull in the adult section of the library that would open like a chamber that would lead down to all of the the real weird books that were somehow beneath this library in Southern Alabama. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one day a large scale bookstore opened up in my town. It was the first one that showed up. and there was a new age occult section within the library. And I was startled, I remember being about 11 years old and thinking, wait, there are new books on this? Like, it didn't make sense to me. <laughs> and so I probably put, for anybody that grew up in the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, will know uh, Llewellyn Publishing quite quite obviously was very strong in that, uh, that time. And I'd guarantee you, I put a few of their children through college, you know, because (laughs) of the number of books. I also luckily had have worked jobs uh, uh, at some capacity since I was thirteen, so I always had my own money to spend on stuff, and I just bought shed loads of books. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) You know,
2: I was the kid in the neighborhood that read tarot cards and talked about astrology, and so all the kids would come to me and. You know uh i would be that person so uh oh. eventually i realized that that was that could be one's vocation and i took that more seriously about seven years ago and then five years ago started you know doing it uh, more full-time
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: cool but
2: just odd odd from you know early on or mm-hmm. weird from early yeah. on and um
1: And so what do you do now? Like, what is the last, what does the last five years look like for you?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. So um, the, you know, like a lot of people, uh, there's always that strong, I don't know. There's a lot, most everyone suffers from a degree of imposter syndrome, you know, where you're kind of like, wait, is this something that I actually do? So i think that you know there was a long term i've been paid for or given exchanges for the work that i've done for longer than that but i think that there was something that changed and i decided to focus on because people aren't that comfortable with everybody where with one person wearing all the hats you know all the time like they Kind of need at least an an image that can be what you are and because astrology was one of my oldest uh interests and obsessions i thought and i developed a lot of competency in doing that work then i focused mainly on astrology and card reading because so i think that in the end i work as a diviner counseling astrologer kind of is uh, as most of the work that i do mm-hmm. um, but then uh, in the last two years, as Isaac mentioned, like uh, did finally get around to, to putting some energy into a, a conference that was focused on astral magic, which is a term I prefer over astrological magic because that astrological magic has a very particular uh, thing that it means and within the western tradition whereas mm-hmm. astral magic is a little broader term and sure. i think is is easier to encompass like a broad range of practices uh beliefs or discipline studies uh that kind of can be brought under a general umbrella of earth sky relationship and how we interact with that you know um so yes yeah, so i mean that's really what i get up to get up to now
0: Mm-hmm.
2: More than anything else.
0: Cool. Yeah that that also um I've been reading uh, Religion and Decline of Magic uh yes. and it's a really good uh book on on like the sixteenth seventeenth century magic and astrology and so on yes. and they talk a lot about the cunning I'm reading about the cunning men right now I mean oh, yeah. I've read previously but this is uh, going into it again and, and they, they do seem to ha- do a lot of different things you know but and they, and each cunning man or wise woman would do different things too from you know someone would read geomancy someone would use mm. a, a knife and a, uh, scissors and a sieve <laughs> you yeah. know as d- divination um but the divination was was one of the big aspects of it but there there are a lot of different skills that they have and on your website you uh you say that you're a jack of all trades mastering some and yeah. That's mm-hmm. like for me. That's really important because, like, I feel the same way. I've I've got Sagittarius rising, Mercury and Gemini, Moon in Aquarius, Uranus. You know, in my first house, yeah, I'm yeah. very you know eccentric. I like to do a lot of different things, but I also like to get deep because because if you you know you gotta get hit the water if you dig if you're digging for yes. digging for water, digging a well you know yeah <laughs> but it's a, definitely yes. a balance so yeah what do you what do you, what do you think about that what, what's 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 your uh, right
2: so I think you know the this is, okay, so I have to, I think that there's a couple of things that are there around it is that obvious, I think, and astrology is a really interesting place to look at this. I think also magic is a larger subject or herbalism also is a larger subject is, is uh, also a good place to look at it. You know, um, the, uh, the idea that one is going and again, I'll stick with astrology. The history of astrology is very long. And then there's also uh, outside of textual bits that we have, you know, we can also talk about skyscape archaeology, which is learning to look at landscape interactions and and lore around uh, sky-earth dynamics that is now telling us things that, you know, is difficult to uh, keep that stuff necessarily recovering that is a very complex thing for cultures that are no longer around or didn't have written records so i mean that is so vast and the idea that one is going to um, know all of that (laughs) you know is kind of an absurd thing you know Mm -hmm. um so uh you know the Another one, and going back to the education side, I originally, I thought that I would work on, uh, my original background is in anthropology. So I, I, I wanted to uh, carry on and go on to, you know, pursue an academic career as an anthropologist. Um, there's, no, there's all different reasons why that didn't come to pass. But um, I went from about to work with, Uh, university age people to working with preschool age children okay so I was a preschool teacher for four years and in that time I was working with one to three year olds so in my mind I thought okay well you wanted to be a master pedagogue or something you know you (laughs) wanted to be like the one that understands it from beginning to end And so you have to start not at the ass end of it and going back down, but you have to start in the beginning and work your way up. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I did eventually work with university age teachers and kind of work, you know, my way up a bit, but I'm just trying, what I'm trying to get at is that the idea that one would ever be fluent and then competent in all aspects of a single field is a daunting task for, most people, you know. Um, so, and and there is some emphasis in the world to say that if you want to learn something, you need to kind of focus on it exclusively. Yeah. Um, and I will return to that in a moment because I do think there is some truth in that. Uh, but I, but I think that um, in having been obsessed with similar uh, like things over my life. I have found that uh, it's very cyclical and you know, almost spiraling kind of type way of learning where you do return to things. Um, and I think you guys uh, work very much and they're present with the, the place that you live and so season after season of being there and knowing it's life, do you know what I mean? And how your life interacts with it, that competency and knowledge uh, and how it's changing you, changing the others that you inhabit is always uh, going somewhere, you know? Um, so I think that, if, you know, and this is the last, the other thing that I wanted to mention about it is that if someone does though want to really get a strong Um, sense of something foundational learning is so important and the reason I would say that is because foundational learning you can especially I always say this with people interested in astrology as an example is that you know pick have fun and like go around and learn all the different stuff for a while but then find one author or one youtube channel or whatever that you like a lot and spend a good amount of time just understanding and studying their material, because once you have foundational knowledge and something you can really go somewhere with it, you know, but if you are willy nilly about how you how you learn then and then there's nothing wrong with that, you know that has its own place as well. Um, Yeah, I think when you have the foundation, so yes, there is something to be said about letting go of learning everything about that thing all at once and focusing on the foundation. So for some people that might be modern psychological astrology, for other people that might be traditional astrology, spend a couple years with one author and one text or a group of texts this is how I, you know, my main background whenever I started to really go deeply into herbalism was through Ayurveda. And so I spent time with uh, with the materials of, uh, of an Ayurvedic doctor called uh, Vinod Verma. And I, stud- I read all- everything she'd ever written mm-hmm. and spent many years just with her stuff because then I had a foundation that I could go from do you know i mean but otherwise so i think that's important but
0: yeah i definitely uh agree with you and i think that at the beginning when you're first getting into something it's good to really take a wide uh perspective and look at a lot of different things you can see what what appeals to you the most and then you go deeply into one thing for a while and then after Mm -hmm. you've like thoroughly gotten gotten everything out of it that you can get then going to another you know it will come
2: back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it'll and that's, that's the, the other thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> like like I started learning about wild plants and like foraging when I was like 9. And then through like college I kind of focused on other stuff. But then it, when it came back, I had that uh foundational knowledge there and I could uh art could 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 go further. Same with like music. I've had like cycles of where I was more intense into it. And you don't like you you lose some, but you the the muscles are still there. The the mm-hmm. tracks and space are still there. Definitely, as long and as I it, think it,
2: that it ties into two things from like a more, you know, if I was saying to, one lineages of practice, and I would also call them lineages of passion or lineages of obsession. You know, mm. which is we can tie into uh, lineages of those who have come before who have shared similar um, desires to know and engage but also as well it's very smart at times to see uh, see types of knowledge as gods or as god forms that are also mm-hmm. not knock tapping you on the shoulder and letting you know it's time to like do this now do you know what I mean so um, I think giving a little bit more agency mm-hmm. to the side of the lineages, but also the um, you know the the personhoods that those things become uh, or are you know that they that we can engage with them more directly um, uh, and learn through that you know and it's and it's also the other thing is that you know we really struggle I think memory and not and knowledge keeping is something that's really has changed so much in the last several thousand years but particularly in the last maybe 40 years you know for us as humans that are acknowledging that some of that knowledge is held between uh us and those god forms or the lineages it's not up to us to just remember everything you know what i mean and all the time you know yeah. we'll come back uh through those more uh more um those other ways of of it returning to your life
1: mm-hmm. we we're talking a little bit before we hit record for for the show today about how there is this pressure to know everything and once you start studying something then people sort of maybe expect you to know things or you know and so we were talking yeah. about how it's okay to not know something and to just admit that yes
2: i think that one of the most powerful things for us to be able to do at least for me especially within, if we wanted to talk about like occult, esoteric esoteric uh, or whatever community, you know, was to be able to say, um, oh, I, I don't, I don't think I'm familiar with that. Can mm. you tell me more? And it's still something that I'm learning, you know, because I think that the natural reflex is to say, um, yeah, is to say, Uh, Of course, you know, we're just doing knowing not like we're all supposed to already know everything. (laughs) Um, But but that was one of the things I noticed uh, working with in education was that um, uh, developing a desire to be a learner Requires that you put yourself in scenarios where you don't know and are not competent at something over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that is an anxious place for a lot of people. Um, So I think we can be more supportive of others by not creating more anxieties for them to think that they should already know and know how to do everything. Yeah. Um, But the other side of it is, I think, too, is that. because we do live in a time where there are conditions that kind of are forcing people to identify very strongly as something. Uh, and it's kind of like mixed in with the desire to feel more empowered, you know, which I think is its own question, really, what that is. I won't talk about that with you guys. But um, the issue around that to a certain extent is how do we give? credence to those who have come before us, who have done, you know, the work within the fields that we're involved in. Um, Yeah, what, how do we, how do we do that? Well, when there is so much uh, desire to just kind of already know everything in the beginning. So I don't know, that's something I sit with around it.
0: And talking about that identity thing, too, there's this Uh, I mean, in in modern Western industrial society, people are very specialized, you know, like you go to like a university, everyone is like, super specialized. And then you go look on like, social media, everyone is has their identity, like in their (laughs) bio. And it's it's very, yeah, it can be so so difficult just to sit with ambiguity, where like, no, I'm not this, and I'm not that. But from yeah. like me, and I keep, I, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to me. But like this is my is my an example, you know. Yeah. Like I find it difficult to identify with any one thing fully because it's it's my 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 I am always changing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. all of us are always changing, and we and it's I it's I don't think it's true to uh, to fully identify with just this label or this uh, persona that is projected on. Social media, or, and I think it's gotten worse with social media. But <laughs> for you yeah, know, yeah, I mean, I think it's
2: it's the yeah, there's so many things that are well, quite. I think maybe not so many things, but as you said, social media and a few others that are really a huge part of it. But I think if we just kind of focus more on what we do, yeah, and let what we do do kind of speak for itself, mm. you know, and if others others do identify. You know what I mean, because it is a natural thing to say, yeah. oh, you do this or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then um, that's okay to me, you know, to do that. Uh, I was, like you said, the reason that I ended up calling the work that I did, un- you know, because you have to call something something. Cunning as folk, you know, why did I go with like that as a, you know, a name for something? And it was because I was I was inspired by the multifaceted and and also the oddity of depictions of at that time I was mainly reading about English cunning folk mm, yeah. um and you know as you said they weren't the learned you know and this is something I've focused on a little bit in my studies around the uh, astral knowledge that they would hold as opposed to those that would have been the formal learned uh scholarly um astrologers you know um which is that they weren't the learned scholarly astrologers. Do you know what I mean? Uh, They weren't philosophizing about it. They weren't the, the astrological doctors that were Mm. prescribing uh, things based on astrology. They were a little bit closer to uh, everyday folk in that they had, as you said, also a wide variety of skills and also had very unique personalities. Mm. Um, But there weren't, it wasn't like there was one all, there wasn't like there was one, there was, there was one everywhere. Do you know what I mean? They were, there was not a huge number of them either, you know? Now, if you look at somewhere like India, where there's a massive amount, there's a guru on every corner, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Kind of thing. Um, You can have moments in societies where Uh, We do have lots of spiritual guides, teachers, uh, and then people that are using methods that we might label magical to solve issues and problems in the world and help people. Um, So maybe we are going into a place now where it is more like guru on every corner. But, you know, in in those cultures, a lot of times there's a high level of knowing who's full of crap and who is not. Yeah, you know, and I think that this is our main thing is that I do think we have to understand that it's important for those of us that know Mm -hmm. a bit about these things, if if we've been around it long enough, to point out when someone, you know, to point people in the right direction. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, Yeah, but but the jack of all trades, mastering some, I think is we can we can have a little bit of faith in our own uh learn learning intelligence that it carries us forward in a way so we do let go of something for a little while we don't need to feel shame about that uh it has a lot of times there's transferable skills and then things do um cycle back around
0: right yeah, the transferable skills, I think, is an important point, too, because, like, I know from, for instance, with music, like, if you learn how to play guitar, it's easier to learn how to play banjo, like, they're mm-hmm. both fretted, stringed instruments, they're different in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of transferable skill. In the same way, even with, like, magic and with building a porch, like, you're visualizing the porch, then you're making, you're manifesting it, like, you're, you're you know, there, there are some skills that, that are, uh, the same you know or, or transferable at yeah, least in some way totally
2: and you know like uh, something that happened recently is that uh because i had a lot of background in ayurveda for a while or strong time where i spent with that um doing self-massage and like doing uh oil massage is like a con- is like a daily practice i've taken on for several years now um But I still, you know, last week, I went to a massage therapist, (laughs) you know, because I think it's important that we also do realize that there are people that, you know, have the ability to, you know, we shouldn't feel shy about turning to another that has a competency in something that we, that we want to engage with. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah, so, but I think people should trust it a little bit more um, and and just keep at it, you know, that's the thing, it'll come back, you know, it'll come back.
1: Yeah, and I think another aspect of... You know, Jack of all trades, master of some is just having to be adaptable. You know, we've talked about that on the show a lot before, but, you know, we're, we live in such changing times and having a little bit of skills from various different healing modalities or, um, you know, different backgrounds and different earth skills and things like that can be really important.
2: I think it is really important. I agree with that. Um I definitely do. And I think that, but it's also okay, you know, if someone's approach is to be hyper focused, super interested in something, it does also produce some fascinating characters and you know, really good. So I think that we can we can feel good about that. Um, but I do think it's a lot of shame around developing a lot of skills, uh, and that's why I changed the phrase, you know. Nice, that, yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, and I, th- I think another p- important part is honoring each individual person and their proclivities and their uh, inner yeah. guidance, you know, and what what yeah. their their obsessions, like their passions. Yeah, and, and that's if- why I think if you tie that into lineages
2: of yeah. obsession, do you? Mm-hmm. What I mean, or passion, or whatever we want to do, or practice, or practice, or whatever we want to do. Then I think. You have another another way in which there's some intentionality that isn't just you that is helping, you know, along along that.
0: Yeah, and that, this is one of the things that I'm really excited about uh, the Astromagia conference mm-hmm. is how many different lineages of obsession you have yeah, yeah. brought into <laughs> it, you know, and it, it's really kind yeah. of amazing looking at the speaker list, um, you know, you've got some, there's some pretty big names there, like I'm really excited to see Austin Kopic and Freedom Cole, mm-hmm. Demetra George, uh, Christopher yes. Warnock, who is one of my teachers, mm-hmm. um, and then just so many other like Chris got uh, a uh, cliff low. You know, there's, there's going to yeah. be a lot of great people speaking and a lot of different people like Rune uh, Rasmussen, like that's going to be yeah. fun too. I'm really excited because yeah. he's got like looking at the old Norse uh, and way of using the moon and the sun and the on, on year. I mean, that's astral, but it's not astrological in the way that we.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could call it, I think the thing is you could call it an astrology. Yeah. I think that, um, uh, because you know the, and that's one of my main things. Is like I know it's cumbersome to say astrologies plural, or yeah. or you know, and uh, it is cumbersome to many to say that. But um, you know, this year I had a, an insight going back when um, when the celestial art was published, mm-hmm. which austin was one of the editors for that that uh, anthology. Um, I think by three hands press. So right before that was published, I thought, you know, the time is right for there to be a conference focused on uh, astrological magic. And I thought it had, it would need to be online. So this was yeah. back in like 2007 or 2000. Well, maybe I'm mixing up the year 2008. Um, and I thought it had to be online because it is slightly niche. And then It also is hard to do like an in-person thing in the beginning because the overhead and all of that. So, um, you know, a lot of people think it was just because of the kind of things that happened in the last couple of years that was there. But I thought it would always start online. And then the desire was true to what I would describe as like the Magian spirit of like wandering, you know, that Mm. it would go around you know what i mean this was like the desire that would be in places Mm. um but then you know kind of thinking about that so for example if you're familiar with looking at astrological charts in any capacity okay so you don't have to be an expert but if you've ever looked at astrology chart it's a map of a very particular kind of information mm-hmm. that is mainly mapped to the zodiac you know so a lot of people don't even think about the the fact when they see on a kind of circle chart that has an mc uh that kind of looks like it tilts like uh, this you know the mc never tilts like it's just always uh, above the head <laughs> yeah exactly it's oh. always like it's always that intersection between the local meridian which runs north south right over our head and then the zodiac it's the zodiac that is actually moving differently do you know what i mean mm-hmm. the zodiac moves differently so then mm-hmm. we anyway the reason i point this out is because uh, i think that in my early work i did in astrology eventually around uh 19 years old i got very interested in observational astrology so i was wanting to say what what is actually out there because i my grandfather was a meteorologist and had a telescope and so i spent a lot of time um time with that um some people the and this is something that ties back into something you mentioned about um uh the decline of the enchanted world you know, which I don't think we really ever got to this point where we don't think things are enchanted, you know, people still can be staunch uh, material rationalists and talk to a cat, you know what I mean? Well, also,
0: it's also only in the educated elite classes that it's been disenchanted. Like, there are still sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. And I think, and I think the thing though is though, is there is something about, and I, I use a term called children of this problem. I think that astrologers specifically are a very interesting group of people in that what we're seeing occur, if we go back far enough, we're seeing the rise of exact science occurring because exact science needs to show itself and the mathematics that not that it wasn't already there. There was, there's a lot of evidence that suggests it didn't go in this direction in other groups and other times, but there is something about it where this, uh, this kind of uh, detaching from lived uh, experience, um, direct experience of something. So when we look at a map, we don't spend a ton of time thinking about, well, what was the sky actually like at that moment of a person's birth? The sky itself, you know? We immediately go to things that relate to the disciplines around Western astrology, for example, if that's our framework. Um, And not that that's a bad thing, but what I think is interesting about uh, looking at the intersection between astrologies or astrology and magic is that magic is very much about direct participatory engagement with something, Mm, you know, like the planets are these, like we could say, you know, they could be thought of as uh, in some ways, like um, laws of nature, you know, that are, uh, we've discovered, you know, and you kind of can see where Platonism and Neoplatonism and all of this, is so intimately tied to a lot of the ways we think about astrology. I'm not I, too much to say now, but like the point really is around it is that um, we can become uh, less present to. So I think what's great about what uh, Rune does is, you know, and, and there are others is like um, looking at the relationship between the, um, cycles uh things that we can see and observe but also the landscapes in which we inhabit because any sky that you participate in is your sky it has direct involvement with the ecosystem and the life ways of the others that you share that landscape with do you know what i mean and if we if we are inspired by uh contemporary and what we know of other cultures that have had a very strong knowledge of sky earth dynamic, this is a very natural thing for for those ways of thinking. And this is my largest thing that I'm really trying to cause to happen with astromagia is I want it to be enough of a mixed group of people that we do start to have a context to feel inspired to recover and engage more directly with uh the sky earth dynamic you know
0: and the way it's storied
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah and yeah actually looking at the sun and looking at the moon and looking at the stars it it yeah. is very different than actually just like looking at a chart <laughs>
1: <It> <laughs> so you
0: print out from the computer or just look on the on this on your phone screen or whatever yeah it is very different.
2: I remember the first time that I saw the moon through a telescope, my immediate reaction, I just started crying. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And so what is it about the moon and me seeing it that brings forth water? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For me, <laughs> yeah. it, all that can mean something. Do you know what I mean? And its it wouldn't happen if I just look at the moon and uh, in my nativity, as it's drawn as a map, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the most basic things I always tell people, which I think you guys can, which I think is so easy to share, is say with the moon again: is knowing what phase your moon was in when you were born, and knowing to f- see it in the sky. You know, is it out late at night? Is it out early in the day? Is it out? When is it out? And like going to it and letting it teach you about what your moon is do you I mean because even if it's not the exact like the metonic cycle hasn't repeated for it to be precisely the exact moon you know I think that we can give, be generous and like allow it to be something that we open up to building a relationship with it um which is why you know for me personally I think I have a very strong uh, animistic uh, disposition, you know, um, be. And I think that that is important for us to try to re, reimagine, you know, and the work that I'm trying to do with it is new animist astrologies. You know, what does that mean? Um, you know, letting dawn teach you about dawn, letting mm-hmm. twilight teach you about twilight, engaging with the sky in the dark time of year, because this is something that will teach us about what the sky can tell us about darkness in the darkest time of year or whatever you know so we're a bit more you know these are easy ways to start
1: so that's your class actually that you're teaching in astromagia right new animus astrologies
2: yeah. yes i mean so get- that's the hope anyway yeah i'm giving a talk for a group called ESAR yeah. on constantly unfurling talking about uh animist uh conceptions and astrology and then this one will be like a follow-on uh follow-on from from that uh-huh Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Last year I struggled to give a talk because, um, and I'm going to give it again at the beginning, <laughs> this time because uh, I wasn't as experienced at that time managing like multiple Zoom things all at once. Oh, no, so The it's moment not- I went in to give my talk uh, last year, it shut everybody else out.
0: Oh uh, no. It's okay. This year yeah. I know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a learning curve.
0: There's a whole whole different set of, of uh, organizational skills for an online event than for yes. an in-person event. Both difficult. Both and there's, they, uh, yeah,
1: there's always going to be something that comes up. So <laughs> we all get it. We're all <laughs> we're used to it. But um, could you speak a little bit more? You were talking earlier about your vision and your goal for this conference. Like, why did you create Magia? Yeah,
2: so I feel like the, this. okay, so the sense I got, it's not this, I have a problem maybe always seeming like I'm going to criticize something, okay? So I'm just, this is more an observation that, um, you know, outside of astrological conferences, like if we're talking about an astrological conference, there's a lot of good spirit and goodwill at an astrological conference. There are people that don't get along always, you know, and there's always something there. Sometimes it is quite personal. Sometimes it's a bit more academic not getting along whatever um uh, but because of the being in person there's almost like something that does make it easier you know to Mm -hmm. we kind of focus on what's good the problem that i noticed within the astrological magic community proper in terms of western uh astrological magic as it's kind of emerged in the last uh 20 20 or so years Mm -hmm is that um, the places to really talk about it were only on uh, social media platforms.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: I think that there's nothing, and maybe there's not anything inherently wrong with the idea of what social media might be, right? But the way in which it does play out, it Mm -hmm. often is problematic. and, (laughs) And exactly. And the other thing is, is that you get a lot of adherence of, particular teachers ways of approaching something yeah so you'll get like a a place where it is that there are a couple voices that are thought to be authoritative and and again there's nothing wrong with that you know but i felt like it was time now that the discourse was growing uh there to be a place that could start to create more context for a larger scale more open bigger idea around um what at first i thought astrological magic you know and it's like more uh more uh strict sense Mm -hmm. but i think that you know once uh, because i have uh, because i have an anthropological thought around most things in the end there is always that there's a lot of cultural and a big much bigger thing that is behind this you know uh which is also why i wanted to incorporate artists and um people that were in uh, this is why i say it's focused on astral magic and its contents because it's also looking at all of the creative uh expression and cultural expression that is also is tied into uh this reemergence of uh astrology as a way of knowing the world you know or astral magic as a way of engaging with the world
1: yeah that's really cool that you're creating that space
2: yeah that was the desire and this year in particular looking at astral the relationship between astral magic and astral lore you know Mm -hmm. um because you know within uh Properly, I think within astrology, uh, there's a lot of talk about doctrine, you know, the doctrine of whatever it might be. Um, And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that we sometimes forget that that is lore or lore is probably tied into that. Mm. Um, So the way that we, uh, you know, the way that we engage with the story that is present within Sky Earth Dynamics was very clear to me as something that was already important, but really needed us to bring some attention to this time. So, um, you know, there are some key figures that are giving talks uh, like Demetra George or Cadmus or Satra Ravitch, or even, as you mentioned, Rune, talking about ways in which... um, story and sky earth are kind of being woven together you know and i think that uh this is something i spend a lot of time with personally you know i try to walk in the place that i live for a couple hours every day no matter what the weather is so Mm -hmm. i know when the rabbits are doing the crazy rabbit things on the hill and when the rowan berries are blue are ripening you know yeah this is an invitation to story, in my opinion, you know what I mean? What is going on in the landscape, me being able to know that um, these seasons and these times are kind of tied to it and sometimes be more flexible with my rigid Western astrology learning because in that case, we want to kind of fit everything in. You know, Gordon White gave a really good talk last year about how, and I do think it's pretty accurate. He he described how the, there seems to be like a tendency, uh, Hellenistic intellectual tendency to put everything into a, like, almost like cells of a spreadsheet. Hmm. So, you know, there could be something about rowan berries and um, rabbits, you know, that hmm. I suddenly now need to put into like a slot that is related to a certain planet or a certain cycle or a certain you know as a way of categorizing it and I think that this is this is also what I'm trying to screw with a little bit with the conferences like how we can start to allow things to just speak for themselves as we encounter them and we learn do you know what I mean as Mm -hmm. opposed to I have this template that I need to plug everything into and it needs more voices than me to do that obviously
1: yeah
0: <laughs> well i think also just showing the diversity of voices you know from people who are very like strictly traditional astro- western astrology mm-hmm. to people like rune um and some of the like uh, you've got some uh who stuff going on in there yes um, they they got two, of-
2: there's like a Risha yeah. stuff, you know, and this is something I would like to expand on as the yeah. conference carries on as more and more uh, different voices and perspectives that can, I think it has to be transdisciplinary. I've yeah. been really fortunate this year, I'm presenting at a conference here in the UK called Trans States in September. And Trans States, I have to tell you, was the conference I attended in 2019 that really gave me the model that I wanted to use for um, for um, this conference, which I do think it needs, it has to endeavor in a transdisciplinary way uh, towards this. Otherwise, you know, we're not really, I don't think it can do it justice, you know.
1: So with all the different subjects and um, folks that you've brought in, who is the right audience? Like who is going to want to attend this conference? Yeah, that's
2: what I'm always happy that anybody wants to attend. So (laughs) I would say anybody that feels interested in it. I mean, I think that it is, again, that's a, a very good question. I probably should have started with some marketing model that looked at that from the beginning. But I just imagine that, again, it kind of follows that framework that I I say is like, if this idea of like playing with and learning more about earth sky dynamics, and the way in which it has relevance to your life and to the life of others to the place that you live, you know, if you feel like that is an obsession that you can kind of feel in you then you should definitely be there do you know what i mean and yeah and if you can't make it for some reason don't ever be shy reach out and just say you know that this isn't something i can make it to is there another time it's going to happen or whatever we will keep doing them. then nice. you know, we will yeah maybe not every year because it's a lot of work but
1: oh okay Maybe not every year, but
2: every other, at least.
1: That's cool. (laughs) Sweet. And is there anything that you're particularly excited about or a particular speaker that you're just super stoked on is going to be here? Wow.
2: I was so happy with everybody's. I mean, the other thing is that uh, because I know that, um, because I know that, uh, it's very difficult for people to find a way into talking at these things. You know, I also try to give a lot of space for people that haven't had a lot of opportunity yet to speak. So um, I am excited for them to have an opportunity to be able to share, you know, um, with with people. But I was just thrilled, you know, Demetra George had given a talk not that long ago for. I think it was Astrology University of, that is related to the talk that she's giving now, but she didn't have the opportunity in that to explore the level of the story that she wanted to. Mm. So I was really happy to give her context to to be able uh, to explore it from a more storied lens. Um, awesome. but yeah there's i wouldn't say that there's anyone that uh i am really happy to see Atrell. you know this will be danitrell is the translator of the latin picatrix that came out recently um i can't remember how long ago um but i am really happy to see that dan has kind of stepped into um because that's an uncomfortable place for a lot of people that are scholars you know now you're a scholar and now you're speaking to uh, a mixed group Uh but that was the whole thing is we wanted to bring together people that looked at it academically scholastically looked at creatively looked at it from a practitioner level yeah um, and that was part of that transdisciplinary idea you know yeah
0: yeah, well, I, I'm really excited to be able to give a, us uh, uh, a talk. You know, this is gonna be my first um, yes. talk at a, at a conference like this. Um, so I appreciate, you know, uh, mm-hmm. l- l- letting new voices, you know, get, get it's in there. Important.
2: Yeah. yeah, very important.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited for a lot of the there's a lot of different different talks. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to so for I'll I'll do an intro beforehand to talk about this. But, you know. I'm going to be talking about um 17th century astrological uh medicine basically in herbalism so that's been really interesting to me lately and yeah <laughs> it's a
2: fascinating a fascinating uh time in which there's a lot of, and that's the thing people don't realize like here there's universities that i live well they were quite close to where i live now where astrology was taught in the university yeah. Yeah. as a way of approaching stuff you know um and, and i don't say that's like the glory time of whatever but it's the same time it is a very un, um interesting and important moment to understand you know yeah. and see what's relevant now um,
0: well it was the, the last great flowering of traditional astrology uh before the enlightenment you know and and exactly. all that came along with that <laughs> definitely so, and it's also in english you know they they spoke the same language that we do now <laughs> A little different yes,
2: i know and uh it's very likely that you know some cunning folk practitioners would have at least had books or something mm-hmm. that they yeah. were also looking at whether they knew how to read them or read them to do the work that's always another question but you know, that that was the other piece that last year's conference kind of brought forward was the idea, and something I will talk about this year, is this category of learned academic philosophical learning, mm-hmm. and then the kind of lower, more folkloric learning and knowledge that is held with astro- with things that we might call astrological. Yeah. And then there's this intermediary group, which tends to be the get your hands dirty. Uh, kind of people where they're applying ideas that relate between the two and the cunning folk people often inhabited that middle group where they
1: mm-hmm. knew
2: enough to get themselves in trouble uh, between
0: yeah. both groups you know yeah yeah well it reminds me a lot of like yeah. occultists in general you know like there's a, a lot of a lot of that like they're not accepted in the up until recently not accepted in, in the academic circles yeah you know but they also have ha, like have a tremendous amount of learning and book book re, book learning especially you know as well as practice exactly. and it's kind of like between yes. those yeah i mean like for instance like john michael greer like he tra- helped translate the picture christopher warnock like christopher yeah. warnock has a jd you know like uh, he's a he's a he's a lawyer yes. but um jmg doesn't have any high any like i don't think he has a master's degree or or phd but they translated the picatrix like they translated many texts and like they've got a tremendous amount of of learning you know (laughs) but definitely not not necessarily (laughs) accepted in the in the elite uh academic circles yeah no
2: no and a lot of times the way in which those you know the history around that more elite knowledgeable group how they view uh, the more folkloric side of what is known. For example, you know, many cultures have a lot of lore around the moon as it relates to Mm. when you cut your hair and when you trim Mm. your nails and what you do and don't do on days of a lunar day, for example. Um, A lot of people would look at that as not being, you know, it doesn't have rationality, it doesn't have uh do you see what i'm trying to get at Doesn't right. have yeah. that uh kind of higher uh level of knowledge that's inside of it um so patrick i was really influenced by a guy named patrick curry around that That he looked a lot at um you know what makes and that was where i first saw these different astrologies mm-hmm. lower astrology middle astrology higher astrology you know So a lot of Western uh, traditional astrology really emphasizes higher astrology, but then you see a document or book like the Picatrix and it actually contains lots of knowledge that is from all over the place, you know, not something that Dan and Trell will talk about, you know, to this time around. So,
0: yeah, that's very interesting, but uh, yeah, being in that middle space kind of gives you a little more leeway, uh going in either direction like you have the intelligence to be able to read the higher things and understand them but also you don't have the limitation of being part of that uh right. limit click you know where you are not allowed to 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 think about or t- talk about or practice yeah. the, the lower or to
2: get yeah get yeah. your hands
0: dirty right you know, <laughs> doing anything like that was mm-hmm. a bad
2: bad idea yeah (laughs) Um, yes yeah i mean anybody that's done magical work to like i know it from a lot of the talismanic work that i've done um you yeah there's a lot there's a lot mixed in with how you are using text and what comes from those traditions but then about the lived experience of being with uh, the practices of entangling your life with celestial or astral spirits and then sending that stuff off to someone else to be part of their life do you know what i mean and you're you, you there is a reason why i think it is much nicer to not get your hands dirty <laughs> just us talk about <laughs> Talk about it from a more abstract perspective, you know. Yeah. but um, Something people- ivory tower and all, yeah. ivory tower
0: and all on yeah, the armchair. Yeah. But at the same time, this <laughs> goes back to that uh mastering. Some, you yeah. to actually really master anything. You have to. You have to get your hands dirty. You have to practice. Like the practice is where the rubber meets the road, and where any actual like. Um, embodied learning comes from. That's where like your your muscle memory comes from. Uh, Your intuition, it comes from actually doing the practices and getting your hands dirty.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. And
2: I think it also is something further going on, which is there in the not maybe, I think, you know, Gordon White again, he's really been good in like contemporary uh, esoteric community and occult community, drawing forth this thing that the idea between Uh, theory and practice can never really be separated so Mm. even the idea of theorizing obviously is a kind of entangling practicing Mm. is a kind of entangling but I do think what you're saying is so important it's you know just and and I think this is also something that people should feel more encouraged around is yeah you know there's a lot of fear around getting something wrong with Mm. stuff you do like you guys will know from an herbalist perspective, you know, there can be a lot of concern around, like I remember recently, and I don't know if this is a reality within uh, the herbalist community, but, you know, there's like suddenly, how much licorice is like too much licorice? Do you know what I mean? Suddenly, and have I been causing problems by, you know, all, just as an example, but I think that within, the magical community as well, there are some really easy ways like uh, planetary prayers, or as I said, go out and let dawn speak to you about dawn, go out and let the moon of your phase of your time of birth teach you about the moon of your phase of time of birth. These can be very gentle and easy ways to start to entangle yourself more in a a practice orientated way. And, uh, you know, the other, the last thing I would say about it is one thing I am really excited about uh, is uh, Cadmus' talk mm-hmm. about, one, Orpheus and the idea of art as a model for magic, um, because, and this idea of the tension between art and science. But equally, he's going to, he's wanna, I also ended up making him a featured speaker because he was giving a talk as well around how do we start to understand our, um, you know, our unverifiable personal gnostic experiences when we encounter something, and what is a, a what are some ways forward towards that that make it relevant? Because the, la- the last, thing I would say that is that is very relevant within the a- astral, astrological uh, community. Otherwise, we only have texts that we can argue and argue and argue about what a text means and what a doctrine means. And then the moment someone says, well, this doctrine worked for me and that doctrine did not work for me, then, you know, there is something where people have to step away from that and say, "Mm, okay, but you know, the source says this, do you see what I mean? And so we do have to kind of find a way forward that isn't, not that we're not interested in text but not obsessed about text and the way that we are right well Um, they
0: also contradict at a certain point too like a lot of texts contradict and so it comes down to your personal experience of like what actually works for you and i think we were we this is probably going to come out right after our our talk with uh, john michael greer on pre-psychological modern astrology and Mm -hmm. for him he uses um, the modern rulership system. Like he uses Uranus yeah. as the ruler of Aquarius. And that he for him, he found that it produced better predictions. But he has like mm-hmm. Uranus in his first house. Whereas like Robert Hand, who you know has been practicing for 50 years or whatever, like he found that the modern rulership system does not work for him. So like mm. Who do you like? You got to go with what works for you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people argue that you make it your own in the end. And that's probably uh, there is some truth in that. But I think that, you know, the other pieces, when we go back to learning through experience, yeah, or as I said about. Uh, and recently spent some time at some older sites here in the UK that are orientated and definitely speaking to cyclical and story as it relates to cycle. How do we start to have that be um, an important and useful source of kind of an empirical approach where we are verifying things Mm -hmm. in the landscape, Mm. You know, we're letting the landscape verify rather than the text verify something or my approach. I found that it does. And again, I'm not criticizing any of that. I think it's all valid. It's just that we have a tendency to default to one or the other. And I I just always wonder if uh, there isn't more that we can learn to do that is natural for us as human beings, you know, mm. um, that isn't just about obsessing over text or which schema is the one that we can make work. No, that's a bad thing. I work with mostly traditional methods, so I, mean, I shouldn't bash it too much. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's also important too because uh, you know everyone inhabits a different land, and there's a different spirit yes. in of every land, and also yeah. the lands the are.
2: Sky scary. also.
0: Yes, there's a land in the sky. Or, yeah. <laughs> like skies. the land up here in the land and the sky up here in new york are totally different than in baghdad uh yeah. you know in not 900 ad you also <laughs> like there's there's time too you know and like yeah. at, at astrology is is all about time um and 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 i think we're living in a it seems clear that like we're living in a period where things are changing pretty dramatically mm. um too like within our in our lifetimes uh we'll see zones yeah. shift we'll see um moisture patterns shift Oh, we've got the kitten here, one of the kittens.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so that, that is worth everything right there.
1: <laughs> Mr. Floofs. I,
2: um, I love all the floofs. I, oh,
0: his so name so is Mr. Floofs. Reginald Floofs. Yeah. Oh, the original <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, uh, I, I kind of lost where I was going there. But yeah, no, I think it is a lot
2: of change. And I think, as you said, people are trying to find how to orientate and how to wayfind within that, you know, and I think I think there's so many different ways to go about it. But that is, uh, you know, definitely something that I was drawn to try to elevate the level of interactions and the discourse around it within astrology in the Western world and um, mm-hmm and so yeah I agree with you I think it is time that we are able to be a bit fuller in the way in which we know the world and, and can come to be in the world and the newer in a different way because something we've known for a while something's not been working and not working so I just try to focus on things that are more constructive now than taking things apart you know yeah. uh we gotta move and i think you guys are at least in my little experience of interacting with you you know mm-hmm. um you're definitely being uh engaged and trying to make something yeah you know? um, yeah the world needs that
0: yeah and i think maybe there are there are in the ecosystem. Uh, of of society there's a there's a role there's a place for people who like to tear down things and decompose things um but i but i personally for me it makes sense that uh, i'd rather build what i want to see than destroy what i don't want to see you know and and in a way you're by by putting your energy and attention and resources towards what you want to happen in the world then you are You know, moving away from what you don't, (laughs) and there's, you know, there's, there's a balance. There's, but yeah,
1: yeah, felt more reactionary, um, in ways. Yeah. You know, trying to destroy something, it felt like battling uphill and reactionary. But building something feels a little bit more, um, yeah, fluid and I don't know. Feels better. (laughs) Yeah, it feels a little bit more productive
2: i agree and i'm sure in your experience if you have practices ways of working with the place that you live mm-hmm. it's something that you come to know you mm-hmm. know over time so it's not a it's not a out of the box this is the way and yeah how you do it's like an engagement an entanglement with it you know so yeah well done
1: yeah <laughs> <Keep doing laughs> <it. laughs> well you too so yes we, as we're we should probably wrap up our our hours together um so where can people find about astro more info about astromagia and yeah
2: so astromagia.org is the best place to go you can look for astromagia.org on most social platforms as well if that's something you are looking for um but yes the website's probably the easiest way to get a hold of anything And then with my, like my personal work, cunningasfolk.com, or again, cunningasfolk on any of the, the platforms that you might be interested in, if I happen to be there, you can find out more about my work there too.
1: And when is the conference?
2: Yeah, the conference is the 8th through the 10th of October and it's running because you have to anchor it in a time zone and Mm. it is very disruptive to my own life in terms of waking up and sleeping suddenly on Eastern time again. it Uh is set to the eastern time zone just
1: because
2: (laughs) (laughs) you guys are the lucky ones yeah Um, but yes and it's so uh it's basically two two and a half days of or you know three days of of focus on it and then anybody that uh you know is there or can't make it to stuff there's three months so people have until mid January to watch any of the replays and then we do try to make it easy for people that have attended to get further access to it if they need to keep it going but it is very much you know everyone that participates is uh compensated for their contribution as highly as i possibly can help them to do that and nice. you know it's meant to be very much a like thought of as a group effort and it's for everybody uh that is cool. giving to it you know?
1: awesome well yeah. thank you so much for joining us today this was a great chat and it was really nice to get to know you jd
2: yeah, lovely to get to know both of you. Um, and I will, like, in terms of my own work, I put out my uh, teaching schedule of what I do uh, normally in, in September. So if people are interested, I have some classes that are astrology-based, but then also some astro- astrological magic classes and some stuff that looking more with another another scholar practitioner about thinking with uh, decolonization and animism. Um, so a bit more of like a reading, self-reflexive like work uh, that's there. So if people are interested, it, you can find out about it at Cunningham Spoke. Okay.
1: Yeah, sounds awesome. Awesome,
2: okay. thank you guys very much for your time. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you. So,